Oh, my God. 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Cool, oh, my, do, baby, who, baby, oh, 
In the AM, Shimmy Engel with Mivon Siach. You heard Regesh with Chedvas. Edo Secha from Yehuda. Sheves Chaveirim had Lola Fached. Achim Benefesh done by Avremel, Avram Fried. Kulanu Yachad, that was Yonatan Sheinfeld. And of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Wednesday on this 4th of November, the 17th day in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5781, Tavshin Pei Aleph. And what a year it's been so far, huh? Boy, oh boy. We wake up this morning. I was up last night here in the Eastern Time Zone till about uh, just before midnight. I was up till just before midnight. I actually got out of bed about 4.30. So in those four and a half hours, not much happened outside of the president declaring victory, which I know I I maybe shouldn't be laughing about because uh, I don't know how proper it was for him to do that, frankly with the results still coming in, but I I have no idea what the situation is regarding counting votes and all. I, I don't know whose accusations or whose defense to believe. I just don't know. But anyway, here's what we did learn uh, after midnight, or what I would have learned if I would have stayed up after midnight. Uh, we've learned that Joe Biden has won Colorado. Those are nine electoral votes. He won the state by over 400,000 votes, or at least he's projected to. Uh, that's 89% of the vote that's in. In Arizona, the president not doing well, losing by 130,000 votes with uh, 82% of the vote in. Nobody's been projected the winner there. In Colorado, Joe Biden was actually projected the winner. In Iowa, President Trump was projected the winner. That I did not know when I went to sleep. Uh, He's up by over 100,000 in Iowa with uh, 92% of the vote in. In Georgia, he has not been declared the winner, but he's up, meaning the president, by 100,000 votes with 92% in. In Florida, he is projected as the winner. I guess that's what happens when you're up by 400,000 votes with 96% of the vote in. 
Joe Biden has been projected to have won Minnesota. Amazing. Um, not nearly as close as I thought it would be. He's uh, he's up. Uh, the the vice the former vice president is up with ninety four percent of the vote in by two hundred thirty thousand votes. Nevada is considered a battleground, and it is close. Joe Biden up right now uh, by eight thousand votes. It is close. And the Michigan, of course, is considered a battleground, and uh, the, the president is up by 200,000 votes with 81% of the vote in. So those are some of the things that I uh, did not know overnight. Those are some of the things that I was not aware of. One thing I can't find is Pennsylvania. Where is that? Uh, let's see. Ah, here we go. Pennsylvania. The president is up by uh, six hundred over 600,000 votes with 75% of the vote in. Uh, nobody has declared him as the victor in Pennsylvania. He has been declared the victor in Texas, where he won by uh, at least with 96% of the vote in. He's winning by uh, over 700,000 votes. In Ohio, which was the state that really looked bad for him when I went to sleep. But I shouldn't say that. It looked bad for him about two hours before I went to sleep. Uh, half a million votes. He's up in uh, Ohio and has been projected as the winner with 90% of the vote in. Uh, Joe Biden uh, wins Virginia. I was curious to see if that would go to President Trump. And in Wisconsin, I don't know if I mentioned this before or not in this list of states I'm going through, but in Wisconsin, uh, he, meaning uh, uh, Joe Biden, is up by about 7,000 votes. And it does not seem that he has been declared the winner yet in that state. So there's still a lot of open states. There are a lot of states where a um, where a winner has not been declared or um, has not been projected to have won. Um, again, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, uh, where the president is up by about uh, 70,000 votes. Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, Maine would be eight, right? I don't think Maine has officially declared a winner yet. I don't think so. So I guess that would be, uh, I guess that would also be a, oh, and Alaska has also not. Okay, so that's why they're saying nine states. The ones I just mentioned plus, plus Maine and Alaska. So a, um, a historic night really a historic night it's it's fascinating to watch all these polls be wrong and basically in this case they were all wrong they were really all wrong i mean there obviously there are some where where some people predicted correctly when it comes to individual states but boy to find somebody who really thought this election would go the way it has so far very difficult feel free to comment on the app go to the nsn Nahum single network app for android and iphone and comment away mark zomick's going to join me later on in the eight o'clock hour to talk about a vote but it's not the vote that happened yesterday we're going to talk about a more important vote well <laughs> i should be careful how i say that i don't know if it's a more important vote it's a more fun vote that i could tell you yeah you make a mistake on on the vote that we're going to be talking about and it won't have uh, international repercussions I don't think <laughs> it might actually, but I don't think so. So, so uh, Mark Zomick will join me 
later on in the 8 o'clock hour. Our friends at Partners in Torah who do have a major announcement and a wonderful, wonderful um, song and video to debut will not be able to join us this week. That project's been delayed to drop, so they will join us, please God, next week here at JM and the AM. Tomorrow we'll have a chance to speak about Yeshivat Shavei Chevron and their big campaign that's going on. Yeah, there's a lot a lot happening. There's a lot happening, not just the election, uh, but many other things as well that we'll be talking about and covering here at JM and the AM. So the president has essentially declared victory. A lot of people upset at him about that. Some surprised, some not surprised. Uh, a very interesting day in the United States yesterday. Really fascinating. And I had the opportunity to speak to people who have access to certain numbers um, as they're, as the day is developing. I'm not saying they're reliable. Honestly, I'm not saying they're reliable. But they you know, they, they seem to have access to you know, certain types of, uh, of uh, interesting exit polls, etc. It was fascinating to hear what was going on in different places around the country. And... Um, I guess I guess what everybody's I shouldn't say everybody. I, I think many people on both sides of the aisle were hoping that this election would be more of a landslide, that this election would be, would be more definitive. So there wouldn't be this uh, constant debate about the results and about how these uh, results were obtained. Uh, or how we got as a country to these results. I, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Looks like it's going to be uh, a lot closer than anybody thought. And um, what can you do? For those of you who uh, who feel that this election of 2020 is a referendum on something, whether it be socialism, whether it be capitalism, whether it be COVID, whether it be the economy, whether it be foreign policy, whatever you thought, uh, this would be a referendum about. Uh, it was uh, pretty even, pretty much a, a dead heat. I know, I know. Obviously, uh, there's still time, and and one side or the other could come out uh, victorious with a clear victory. I get that. But it is fascinating to watch how with the system that we have, the Electoral College, this election ended up being as even so far as it has been. Really something. A divided country? I don't know. I don't know if I would say that. Maybe if the... Uh... Oh, you know what I didn't check? I didn't check the popular vote. Um... Let's see if I can find that quickly. And I assume that's going to change also in terms of uh, popular vote. Well, right now, I had a feeling this would happen because... Um... The uh, the popular vote was going the president's way all night. Not that it matters, but you get my point. Uh, the popular vote was going the president's way all night. And then uh, I had a feeling once they declared the uh, winners in California, Oregon, and Washington, that would change. And sure enough, uh, now the popular vote is 68.7 million for Joe Biden, 66.5 million. For Donald Trump. This website that I'm looking at does give Maine to Biden. It leaves as the states that have not yet declared a winner or were nobody's project or were they, meaning this website has not projected a winner. They have Alaska, Nevada, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So I guess Maine and what would be the other one that they declare? Oh, in Virginia. So Maine, unlike CNN, 
that I looked at earlier that still had Maine and Virginia as a question mark. They have Maine and Virginia for the um, for the um, challenger. This one has Georgia at the moment. Uh, uh, Donald Trump up by 100,000 votes. This one has North Carolina at the moment. Donald Trump up by 70,000 votes. This one at the moment has Pennsylvania with the president up by 700,000 votes. It has Michigan up uh, the president by um, 60,000 votes. It has Wisconsin with uh, Joe Biden up by uh, by about 10,000 votes. It has Nevada with the Biden up by 8,000 votes. and has Alaska. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I guess because only 43% of the votes have been counted in Alaska. But Donald Trump is way up. Talking about 63% of the vote in Alaska, so I'm assuming that, you know, not that we didn't realize in advance that he would win Alaska, but I'm assuming that that will be officially declared for him very, very soon. Um, And it seems that the only state that has been flipped based on last election at the moment was the state of Arizona with its total of 11 Electoral College votes. All right, 20 minutes before 7 o'clock. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. We are finally, finally past Election Day. I don't think it's going to feel like that for a while, (laughs) we're past Election Day. Uh, uh, I don't think this election week is over yet. (laughs) Um, But uh, at least we have a general direction of how this thing is going. And if the president holds on... He should be the, he should, aside from himself declaring himself the winner, he should probably officially be declared the winner at some point in the next few days. And if uh, Joe Biden does uh, start to uh, to get some votes that uh, are unexpected or um, they count votes in certain states that swing certain states his way, I guess he still at this point could be declared the winner at some point in the next few days. Uh, at the moment, looks like the president has the advantage. Really amazing, this whole process. Really amazing. Um, anyway, hope you enjoyed the Kalbach special yesterday. That's always an amazing way to um, spend the 16th of Marrakeshvan. Hope you enjoyed the Kalbach special. I really do. Uh, I thought it was a really nice program with a lot of great music. I want to thank Avrami, by the way. Avrami, who I hope is listening right now, uh, worked so hard behind the scenes to help us make that Kalbach special really special. So I want to thank him for that. Thank him very, very much. Uh, it was really nice. And, um, yeah, that was really uh, that was really something, and I thank him for that. And um, yesterday, after the Kalbach special, JM Rewind had my conversation with Aton Katz and my conversation from last Friday with Shlomo Katz. So we tried to give everybody some inspiring programming on uh, the yard site of Shlomo Kalbach. And I think we did a pretty good job, frankly. Support JM in the AM. If you have not yet supported our campaign, our fall campaign, I'm asking you to support JM in the AM. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Be as generous as you can be, fjbunity.org. Support us, make us uh, as strong as possible to continue all of our wonderful programming all day, all week, all month, and all year. We need your help to do that. FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org for the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Ari Goldwag is brand new, 
and he's next on a JM in the AM Wednesday morning broadcast. Vener in Nigach Bano 
Lucifer, I'm a 
Abraham, Abraham, please do not move your hand. You've proven yourself loyal to me. Your name will carry on. Your nation will grow strong. A promise kept throughout history. So this I promise you. If you promise to stay true, your children will be like the stars in the sky. This vast universe before your very eyes. Endless in number and endless in size. You couldn't count on me if you tried. You couldn't count on me if you tried.
Shlomo Katz and Eitan Katz together from the video that they did from the uh, shul, the Kalbach shul in Moshav Modi in this past Sunday before his yard site. That was Kiva Karas. I think we'll wrap up the hour with this selection. The next one they did from that uh, performance. Arye Kunstler before that with The Promise. That's brand new. Ari Goldwag was in there with the altar of Novartic from his latest album. Wednesday morning, JM AM. We'll close out this hour with Shlomo and Eitan Katz. JM in the AM. Wrapping up the hour, Vesecha Zena, 
Shlomo and Eitan Katz from that remarkable performance from this past Sunday in the Kalbach Shul and Moshav Modi'in here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Uh, Jake Novak, 35 minutes from now. Nobody can analyze what happened yesterday in America the way he can. Jake Novak. 35 minutes from now, here at JM in the AM, in the aftermath of election uh, 2020, see what happens. We'll see what his prediction is for what's about to happen. (laughs) Wednesday morning with 44 degrees, sunshine, and a high temperature of 65. Good morning, good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us. We'll talk about another vote that's going on. Mark Zomick's going to join me in the 8 o'clock hour to discuss another vote that's going on. We'll give you that insight coming up in hour number three this morning here at JM and AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Toe from JM and the AM. Galitzal, Mirushalayim, Mashah Shtayim, Shalom Rav, Kan Rani Avnai, Imash Shekore Achshav. הקרב הצמוד על נשיאות ארצות הברית נמשך ועדיין ממתינים לתוצאות מן המדינות המתנדנדות, כתבת חדשות החוץ נוגה זק. על פי תוצאות חלקיות, נשיא ארצות הברית דונלד טראמפ מוביל במישיגן, פנסילבניה ובג'ורג'יה, בעוד המועמד הדמוקרטי ביידן מוביל באריזונה, וויסקונסין ונוואדה. על פי הצפי, מדינות רבות לא יכריזו על תוצאות מלאות היום, וחלקן אף ממשיכות לקבל פתקי הצבעה בדואר בימים הקרובים. נכון לרגע זה, אף מועמד לא הגיע ליעד של 270 אלקטורים, כשביידן עומד על 224, וטראמפ על 213. קבינט הקורונה יכונס בעוד שעה. במשרד הבריאות ידרשו שלא לפתוח את חנויות הרחוב בתחילת השבוע הבא. כתובתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. בשעה זו נערכים דיונים בין אנשי המטה לביטחון לאומי לשרים בקבינט הקורונה בניסיון להגיע לפשרה בסוגיית פתיחת חנויות הרחוב. נכון לשעה זו, במשרד הבריאות ממשיכים להתעקש כי לא יאפשרו את פתיחת המסחר מנגד שר האוצר ישראל כץ ימשיך לדרוש את הפתיחה הקרובה. על פי הנתונים שיוצגו היום לשרים, גם המעבר לשלב השלישי בהקלות, כלומר פתיחת כיתות י"א וי"ב בעוד שבוע וחצי, מוטל כעת בספק. אישרה פה אחד לקריאות שנייה ושלישית את חוקי איי התיירות, למרות התנגדות משרד הבריאות. אה, הסתייגות של משרד הבריאות שלא דנו בה קודם, מי בעד ההסתייגות ירים את ידו? מי נגד? ההסתייגות נפלה. אני מעלה את הצעת החוק להצבעה. מי בעד החוק? סמכויות מיוחדות להתמודדות עם נגיף הקורונה החדש. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מוסרת שעל פי הנוסח שאושר, ממשלה תהיה רשאית להכריז על אזורים נוספים מלבד אילת וים המלח כאיי תיירות. בית משפט השלום בבאר שבע דחה את בקשתו של יגאל עמיר, רוצח ראש הממשלה לשעבר יצחק רבין, שביקש לצאת להשתתף באירוע בר מצווה של בנו, ידיעה שמסר כתבנו רמי שני. המחבל שביצע את ניסיון פיגוע הירי הבוקר בשומרון הוא איש מנגנוני הביטחון הפלסטינים. עם הפרטים כתבנו יהודה ושומרון, שחר גליק. על פי הערכת צה"ל, המחבל בילאל עדנאן רוואג'בה, קצין בביטחון המסכל, השתמש לביצוע הפיגוע באקדח שקיבל מהרשות הפלסטינית על מנת למגר באמצעותו טרור. בצה"ל משבחים את הלוחמים שפעלו הבוקר כנדרש, סמוך לחטיבה המרחבית שומרון, וחיסלו את המחבל שניות ספורות אחרי שפתח בירי. האירוע הסתיים ללא נפגעים, ברשות הפלסטינית גיבו את המחבל וגינו בחריפות את חיסולו בידי כוחותינו. באשדוד וביבנה הוצפו מספר רחובות בעקבות הגשם הכבד שירד שם משעות הבוקר. באשדוד הוצף מרתף, 
וצוותי כיבוי פועלים במקום לשלילת לכודים. רשף אלקנה ביטון, שנמצא במקום, שוחח עם אמיר איבגי בגלי צה"ל. היה דיווח על ככל הנראה הומלסים שמתגוררים בשעות הערב במחסן. בעצם מה שכרגע מתבצע זה שאיבה של המים מהמרצפים עצמם, שנוכל לבצע איזושהי הערכת מצב, אם יש אפשרות להכניס סוללנים מטה, לבדוק אכן אם יש חשש לחיי אדם. יש לנו כעשרה מוקדי הצפות. אם אתם רואים מזג אוויר כזה קיצון וכל התחזיות מדברות בעד עצמן, אל תצאו מהבית. מזג האוויר לקראת ערב הגשם מתפשט וידרים עד לצפון הנגב. קיים חשש להצפות בערי החוף ולשיטפונות במדבר יהודה ובים המלח. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, everybody. Jake Novak's going to join us uh, about a half hour from now. Nobody can analyze these elections like he can, and he'll join us here at J.M. in the A.M. coming up. Wednesday morning, the 4th of November. Today was the day, I don't know why I remember this, I guess as a kid I remember it. Today was the day in 1979, that in 1978 or 79? In 1978, 1978, the hostages were taken in Iran. Remember that? 42 years ago today. Interesting. November the 4th. 17th of Marcheshvan. Good morning, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our Kalbach special yesterday. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN. Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Uh, no, this is not what I want. I want, I want to see the real. I want to see the real map. Uh, here we go. So according to this website, and there are just so many different websites with so many different opinions right now. Uh, this one has Biden at 224 and Trump at 213. Popular vote, 68.4 uh, million to 65.8 million in favor of Biden. Uh, everything's being projected the way, oh, in, in fact, on this map, it doesn't even have Arizona projected for the president. It has uh, Alaska, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan and Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Maine has nine states that have not officially been declared yet. Um, it has the um, former vice president ahead in Arizona. It has the uh, it has the uh, president ahead in Georgia. Has the president ahead in Michigan. It has the former vice president ahead in Nevada. That's four states. Um, it has the president ahead in North Carolina. That's five. Has the president ahead in Pennsylvania by a lot. That's six. It has the president ahead in Wisconsin. That's seven. And then uh, Maine and Alaska, I assume, that they are assuming will go the way they usually go. It does have the, yeah, they're not calling Alaska a battleground. They just haven't declared it yet. So they have the president way ahead in Alaska. And in terms of Maine, um, let me just see, in terms of Maine, it has the uh, vi the former vice president ahead with 72% of the vote in by about 70,000 votes. So that's pretty uh, decisive. So, so Maine and Alaska, I don't know if you could really count. Uh, do we say that there are seven? I mean, Wisconsin certainly seems it's going to go for Biden. Uh, so I guess you'd call it six. Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Nevada. Well, here they don't call it Arizona either. So this basically comes down to four or five states. Simple as that. Uh, president has declared victory, which is fascinating. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. In the uh, United States Senate, let's go to our local area for a moment. In the United States Senate race, uh, Cory Booker, a 700,000 vote advantage so far over his opponent. I cannot even tell you anything about the opponent. Uh, in our area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, I believe that's the only Senate race this time around. Then you go to the United States House of Representatives. Uh, which is a bit more complicated. At the moment, the uh, Democrats are up uh, by nine seats, 
as they wait for the results to come in. Um, many of you are familiar with the fact that there's, uh, oh, I, I see. Yeah. I see. I mean, a lot of the results are as expected, but, oh, Tom Kane is about to lose. I didn't realize that. Well, in Jersey was wondering what the story was with that. Uh, I'm trying to get to New York races. Let's see if I can find the New York races here. Because there was one New York race that was very, very hotly contested, to say the least. Oh, Jerry Nadler's going to get 68% of the vote. Here it is. Uh, with 85% of the vote in, uh, Nicole Maliotakis in the race for the House of Representatives from Brooklyn and Staten Island. She has 136,000 votes. Max Rose, does not, who's the incumbent, does not even have 100,000 with 85% of the vote in. Wow. Very interesting. So there are a lot of uh, fascinating elections going on. I shouldn't say a lot. There are some fascinating elections going on, none more fascinating than the presidential one. And again, we'll talk with uh, Jake Novak coming up here at JM and the AM. At about 7.35 a.m. Eastern Time here on JMN. We're live on a Wednesday morning broadcast. You heard Nachas with Oda Hashem to open up the hour here at JMN. We'll be talking about a vote later on, but it won't be uh, the vote for president. Mark Zomick's going to join me. We have, a, we have insight into a very important election going on that has nothing to do with states, nothing to do with Democrats, nothing to do with Republicans. We've got uh, information about what I find to be a fascinating vote that is happening <laughs> and we'll give you some uh we'll give you some insight into that coming up feel free to comment on the app go to the nsn nahum single network app for android and iphone and comment away and you are listening to jm in the am
J.M. in the A.M. <clears throat> Hashem Melech, done by our friends up at Waterbury. Hamelech, done by Simcha Liner. Zusha, with the song Peace. And Yalili, there's, of course, a classic from Eighth Day here at J.M. the A.M. Wednesday morning on this 4th of November to 17th of Mara Cheshvim. We'll take a close look at Decision 2020 with Jake Novak just a couple of minutes from now. He's an amazing political commentator. He'll tell us his impressions about last night. 44 degrees, sunshine, a high of 65, clear tonight, low 51, and tomorrow partly cloudy with a high of 68 degrees. Yushalayim is at 64, 
We're at 44 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zevin Rebbe Levi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Rebbe Levi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Mishnah, Hu Haya Omer, Rabbi Yaakov and Kashi said, Yafesha Achas Petshuva, better is a moment, an hour of tshuva masim tovim, in good deeds, ba'olamazeh, in this world, mikol chayeh ho'olamabo, more than the entire world to come. Rav Yosef ben Yoezer was once being led to his death. Yoyakum, the Russia, rode by on a beautiful horse. Yoyakum began to taunt him, look at me and look at you. I'm riding on a beautiful horse while you at Tzaddik are following me. Is this the reward for all of your Yerashamayim, your fear of Hashem? Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer said, if this is your portion in this world, can you imagine what the tzaddikim will have in Olam Abba? With each passing moment, Rabbi Yossi was speaking with Yoyakum. He was convincing him of the simcha of Olam Abba is superior to any of the pleasures of this world. Suddenly, Yoyakum, that had been a Russia up until that point, in order to get rid of all of his sins, accepted the four types of punishment that the court can administer. Rabbi Yossi called out within a brief moment, Yo Yoakim succeeded in preceding me to Olam Abba. Yafesha Someone once came to Rabbi Yossi of Stalin. He was in a state of despair. He said, I tell you the truth, I did a lot of Averos Chamuros. I did a lot of bad things. And according to what it's written in the Svarim, I may have lost my chilek in Olam Haba, my portion in the world to come. Tshuva will not be mezakami. I will not be able to properly do tshuva. The Rebbe said, hurry up and do tshuva. Don't worry about all of your chashbonos, all of the things in your mind, all of the logic, whether you can count on going to Olam Haba or not. It says in Perkeavos, Yafesha achas betshuva. Even if you have an hour of repentance in this world, it is more chashuv, it is more important than the whole olam haba. Indeed, every individual is able to do tshuva in this world. It's because of that moment of tshuva that a person can erase all the bad in their life. Rabbi once met a notorious balavera. He was traveling on the road. Rabbi Yitzchuk walked over to him and said, My beloved brother, you have no idea how jealous I am of you. You don't even realize it. You have such a treasure that you carry with you. If you would only put your heart to do tshuva, to repent, all of the averis, all the sins you have done, will become schuyos, will become merits. There will be no tzaddik as great as you, because no tzaddik could have so many merits. The words of the tzaddik had an effect, and the man did tshuva shalema. He repented fully. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizuk. Have a nice day. Thank you very much, Rabbi Goldwasser. J.M. in the A.M. As promised, the brilliant political commentator himself, 
NSN's very own Jake Novak is with us live via telephone. And uh, kudos to Jake, who I would assume has been up most of the night, if not all night, following the uh, presidential election and all the other elections that have been going on in this country over the last uh, day or so. Jake Novak, good morning. Welcome to JM and the AM. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, totally, totally, extremely tired um, <laughs> and trying to follow all this stuff and, of course, trying not to get to discouraged by by the the uncertainty and and what looks like a lot of shenanigans it's it's um possibly one of the worst results we could be in right now at this time uh, just you know, because not only is it not resolved and that would be okay if they were just you know a lot of close states but it's because the counting stopped and it's because there's going to be tremendous suspicion of what we call ballot harvesting you know they they, they know how many votes they need to the Democrats do it to to defeat Donald Trump, and and who knows how they're going to get them. And I just I really fear for the democratic process in the country right now. There's no other way to say it. But one second, Let the, slow down for a second, sure, because sure. because the uh, <laughs> for, first of all, officially, why has the counting stopped? Forget for a moment that even the official reason could be a corrupt reason. But yeah. officially, why is the counting stopped now? Well, there's been a couple of, you know, some of it was, well, our workers don't have enough resources to continue tonight. Um, and that's, if that were something that happens in states all the time, like, oh, these folks have been working so hard, we need to give them the night off, then that would be, that would be one thing. But that's not something that happens. <laughs> you know, you, you work right. as a poll worker, <laughs> you're there until the last vote's counted. Right. Uh, I, I've never heard of, of this except for except right. for in the year 2000 in Florida when they stopped counting. It was uh, int- it was interesting yeah. because real I went to bed about 11:45 and oh lucky you yeah exactly <laughs> and and it was really a calculated decision because I said to myself you know I think I can go to sleep right now and miss nothing and really the only mm-hmm. thing I missed was the president's remarks and then everybody's criticisms about the president's remarks that's about it other, yeah. th- other than that not much else changed overnight. Uh, but let's let's work our way backwards. What, sure. what what do you to me? Look, you at this point we know we you know if you follow this stuff, you essentially you know everyone's in the head of the president. We get you know how he thinks at this point. Uh, to me, his statement last night was simply to you know be a step ahead of everybody else to throw it out there that things are not going to be are possibly not going to be done as fairly as they should be, and he wanted to get that out now to you know to be ahead of the curve, so to speak. Is that essentially why he did what he did? Yes, and um, you know his his comments are once again being misreported. Uh, he said that voting should stop, which is legally true. Once right. election day is over, you are not allowed to cast a new ballot. Right. You can, uh, you know, it can be it can be in the mail. It can be it can be dropped in the mail. Uh, you know, during as late as the, the last minute before election day. Boy, I think the the uh, you know the the the, the, the Rabunum and the who worked on you know really understand these kinds of things about you know like when a holiday starts and things <laughs> right. like that would would have loved our election laws. <laughs> Um, this is perfect. It's, 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 I think I have one of those Elon Gold, uh, you know, tree light uh, jokes going in me right now. But um, the uh, so anyway, there's that. I, I think that is one thing. It's very important that people stop saying uh, Donald Trump said stop counting the votes. That's not what he said. In fact, he's saying you know keep you should have kept counting. Uh, so yes, but but I, you're right. I mean, he's he's reminding everyone that this is irregular. That it's irregular to stop counting. We don't do that. It's irregular to suddenly find a bunch of absentee ballots like they did in Wisconsin last night. I guess the last batch of absentee ballots they counted in Wisconsin last night had a 100,000 vote or something like that uh, uh, edge for, for, uh, for Biden. Joe Biden or some, some large number like that. I don't want to, you know, don't quote me exactly on the number, but it was very irregular. 
And, um, and this, like I said, this is what makes it the worst possible scenario, because now you have nobody. And listen, trust was at an all-time low anyway in this country right. it, when it comes to our institutions. And now I think it's even lower, and it's just, uh, that's very sad. And it also comes on the heels, and I know it was 20 years ago, but it's still, to me, yeah. it's, it's you know, politically, you know, everything's on the heels when it's, all, when it's only 20 years earlier. It comes on the heels when, you know, everyone said that the Republicans stole the election, you know, in, in, yeah. in uh, 2000. So it's a, you know the, all it does is just continue to uh, increase the level of mistrust on both sides. Frankly, whether it's justified or not, Jake Novak's with us. Okay, a couple of rapid fire things. First of all, sure. I mean you were right. You 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 had said both on and off the air that Florida will not be a contest in the end. And although some cable stations would disagree with you last <laughs> night at about eight thirty quarter to nine, Florida ended up being no contest at all. Yeah, um, well, they did a very good job. You know, it's a spotty, it's, it's, again, it's a state-by-state state, um, race for president. And the Republicans did a very good job in Florida. Uh, and another thing that's really important to remember about Florida that I didn't say last time when I spoke with you on the air, is that unlike some states that did vote by mail for the first time, Florida's been doing it for a while. And that, is that, that was an encouraging sign. There's other states that have been doing it for a long time really tr- in a really trustworthy way, like Oregon, by the way. They've been doing it for years like that, and they found a way to make sure it's trustworthy. But what's so sad is you have states that, you know, states that are really going to matter, like Pennsylvania, or states that really won't matter, like New Jersey, that tried it for the first time and clearly couldn't get it right. right. So that's one reason why Florida, I think, turned out not only well for the for Donald Trump but also for the for the voters in general it, it really feels like that was an election that was on the up and up and they do a great job of reporting and counting in Florida yeah, not everything all, is great in Florida but boy do they do a good job at that yeah it's also the reason why we had results from Florida so early that's right that's right they were counting and counting and they had all kinds of machines they were showing video of that all night on the different channels and you know again it, clearly they, that's where they've decided to spend some money in Florida right. and uh, it paid off now uh, once Florida was decided and I know some places still haven't you know given it to him I get it yeah. but, but well, once it was decided, uh, the big concern of the night became Ohio to a po- to the point where you even expressed to me privately in the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> or, or at least what is for us the middle of the night, <laughs> uh, that you're starting to worry because that gap looked really, really large. It was amazing because I have uh, you know children who know how to use their laptops <laughs> yeah. and get better results than CNN. <laughs> it was amazing how every 10 seconds that, that gap was shrinking by about 10,000 votes. Yeah, they're going to have to, you know, what, what states should do is try to report precincts on a rolling basis and not all one kind and, as opposed to another. So what Ohio ended up doing last night, as we now know, is they reported from their heavy Democratic districts and pre- sorry, precincts first. So they, that, that was preloaded into the system, and then a huge part of the state that was going to vote for Donald Trump didn't come in. And the funny result was not only did Trump win it, but he won it by a margin larger than he won in 2016. And, wow. you know, that's such an important state. And at that point, you know, I was really saying to myself, as I've said on, on your air and I've said for many years, you can't win Ohio and Florida and lose the country. In fact, I've said just that about Ohio, but certainly Ohio and Florida, which is leaving me with a real bad pit in my stomach because if they somehow find some shenanigans to take this election from Donald Trump away, culture, forget about like the mathematics of it all. Culturally, I'll know that that just doesn't jive. The country is very well represented by states like Ohio and Florida and for someone to say like, oh, well, Pennsylvania is, is, is not going the same, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin are not going the same way as uh, Ohio. That's kind of unusual. It's happened before, but it's unusual. Right now, um, right now with 90% of the vote in, he's up by half a million in Ohio. Why did he lose yeah. Arizona? Well, I think Arizona is one of those states where there has been a tremendous amount of people who have moved from California. 
and also the Latino community, the Latino voters in Arizona, and, and President Trump did incredibly well against Latino with with Latino voters. You, you know, he did he did surprisingly well with them in 2016 compared to McCain and and uh, Mitt Romney, his predecessor, his Republican nominees, and he did well again tonight, uh, last night. But see, I, I don't even know what day it is, but. <laughs> the, um, but the uh, but it's still it's it's a state that has a lot of California transplants, and it is it is a state where there was a Senate race where there was a senator who was just not very popular. Uh, you know, Martha McSally was nominated, you know, was appointed by the governor. She never really closed the deal with the people of Arizona, and she was running against a Democrat, Mark Kelly, who's popular in the state. You remember his wife, sure, uh, Gabby Giffords was was shot right. and and badly injured in that incident, and I think that. Kelly being on the ballot really helped bring Democrats to the, you know, to the, to the polls in a larger number, just like a, a, to the reverse in Michigan, a surging Republican Senate candidate in John James, who seems certain to have won that election, probably brought in a few more votes for Donald Trump in Michigan. So I think that had a lot to do with Very it. Very interesting, I'll tell you. Um, why, why, why are certain websites not calling Alaska for Trump, not calling Maine for Biden yet? Well, they're... They're trying to, to to be to show some kind of intellectual honesty. <laughs> you know, Alaska just doesn't have enough votes counted just mathematically for everyone to to say that it's one for Trump, even though we know that. Well, the same the, is the, true in Maine. The numbers so they're trying I see. To, they're trying to you know they're trying to to prove to everyone, hey, but we're not calling these other states that are more controversial. Right. Just like we're not calling the states that we kind of know are going one way or the other. It's a it's it's a silly thing to do. It's it's not being. It'll be forgotten tomorrow. You, you know, know it's, it's silly. to me, it was when I heard that Oregon expectedly went to Biden. I, I said to my kids as we're sitting there, I said, you know, it's unbelievable with everything that's been going on in Portland and Oregon yeah. that they, they they went the opposite way than the law and order direction. And sort of Wisconsin, the same thing. I thought that you know, especially with the places in Wisconsin that were attacked over the last couple of months, I thought I thought for sure that would be enough to you know spur on the electorate to to go the republican route and uh, forget about Oregon but were you su- surprised by the uh by the Wisconsin result Yeah I mean Wisconsin was one of the great kind of fake outs in the whole co- for the whole country if you remember there was an ABC poll just the other day that had tr- Biden ahead by 17 points right. Wisconsin you know earlier you know just just now speaking with you I talked about how trust in our institutions is at an all-time low anyway and it's going lower what about the trust in our major media organizations and the trust in our major polling organizations yeah. that once again got it completely wrong? I mean, we were told definitely a ton of states that Trump won would not would not go to him. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think Biden pulled off any state that, the, that at least half the polls said he would win. Right. So it's not like people, Arizona, that, that's yeah. the issue there. But Wisconsin, you know, that just goes to show that issues on the table, no matter how stark they are and obvious from a non-emotional, dispassionate way, don't really sway voters as much as people think. You know, I, for example, I knew that Hillary Clinton was a loser early in 2016 when I kept hearing everyone saying that they were voting for her was saying she's the most qualified. And frankly, when you hear people say that, that's bad news. You want to hear, if you want to win an election, people saying, I love this candidate. And right. as ridiculous as that sounds to say that you love someone you never met, <laughs> that you've never actually been in the same room with. And, and, of course, that's supposed to be the opposite of what we're supposed to do in a country that, you know, that fought against a monarchy to, you know, to, to exist in the first place. But that's what goes on in human minds. We still have a, a monarchist part of our DNA, right. and we don't think about, like, oh, wow, Wisconsin was really badly hurt by this lack of law and order. President Trump clearly wanted to tackle that, and yet with this crazy absentee ballot shenanigans in Wisconsin, you'd have to say that, you know, Biden's got that in a good place right now, which is really... 
doubly, doubly, dis, you know, a little bit, dis, you know, concerning, concerning. You know, it's funny, and I, I, I've said this to you uh, on previous occasions, how, uh, you know, I remember that uh, during one of the elections, they talked about the rallies, and they talked about the enthusiasm, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the other... Uh, the the anti-Republican said, yeah, I was at the Goldwater rallies and, you know, it looked like, you know, he, he was beloved and look how he got destroyed in the election. But the reality is that if you look at where the president was and for obvious reasons why he spent time in Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, etc. Right. It is remarkable to now think back to the tens of thousands of people that waited for nine, ten hours in the freezing cold in some of those states just to be, quote-unquote, in the same room as him, as you just said, because they love him so much. And they chanted, we love you. Yeah. And the, um, yeah. and for those who, you know, question the strategy of staying in a basement or, you know, hitting the road, I don't know what would have happened if Biden would have been, you know, fully out there, if he would have attracted real crowds. But the president said, you know, I'm taking this to the people. And sure enough, it, it was hard to not be enthusiastic if you're a Republican looking for positive results when you saw the way people reacted to them and how they stayed in that bad weather for 10 straight hours and how they chanted for him and loved every line that he said, even though he had said it, you know, 12 times before in the pre, you know, a, a relative of mine was at one of the rallies. He said, you realize this rally was exactly the same as the one yesterday. And exactly. The, it's amazing. He says the same jokes, the same lines, the same prompts, and they're loving every minute of it. Yeah, I think they're also there to be with the other people. You know, right. there's been so many Trump voters and supporters who have felt like they have to keep it quiet, whether it's at work or at school or at family gatherings. And they and they like the idea of going to, it's kind of like going to a college football game. For those of you who only go to NFL games, you don't know what it's like to go to a Big Ten or, or SEC game. It's a t- it's an entire weekend event, you know, right. and, 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 it's, and it's like a religious experience. You know, right. you spend all the time with all these other people who feel the same way. Right. But, you know, this is one of the things that's actually making me the saddest about this election result. And it's, not a, and it's a really nonpartisan thing I'm about to say. What I was hoping for, based on what you said about the rallies and how they clearly made turnout on Election Day such a slam dunk for the Republicans, I, I was hoping that both parties would start doing more of this what we call, you know, really going out there and pounding the pavement, you know, kind of campaigns. I'll give you an example of someone who did that, and that's why she won. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when she won that primary in 2018 in Queens to shock the world, she knocked on doors. She went out there and did, you know, and did that kind of walking around. And what I hate to see is this continued movement towards Internet campaigning right. or what Biden did. And because to me, that's bad for democracy. So I was really hoping someone would say from, from both parties, hey, let's do this. Let's get someone who can, who can get a rally going, or at least if it isn't a rally like that, get someone who can go outdoors, speak to the people in public, and do things like that, as opposed to these taped events and text messaging campaigns, and all this stuff which, which disconnects us from our government and our democratic process even more. Yeah, al-hamakom is the expression. You know, people, yeah. people wonder about working virtually, about, mm. about uh, you know, doing things virtually. And I'm not saying that that's not possible, because we know from this whole episode it's possible, but there's nothing like being there, and more and more businesses are discovering that, and more and more uh, organizations are discovering that. I'm not saying there's not room for the whole Zoom thing, but more right. and more outfits are discovering Covering even now in 2020, there's nothing like being there on the spot. You know what you remind me of, by the way? Do you remember State Senator uh, Daniel Squadron? Does the name ring a bell? Yeah, sure. So, sure. you know, I'm in his district, or at least, you know, I'm living in the district that he used to be state senator in. Mm-hmm. And when he beat Marty Connor, 
It was for one reason. He knocked on every door Uh in the district and got some name recognition among the Jewish people, frankly. The name Squadron meant something, you know, because because of its Yiddish uh, association. (laughs) And and, and Marty Connor, who was a really popular state senator but didn't do the work that Squadron did, ended up losing that election. I'm wondering, by the way, and, and by and and anyone who thinks it's not the same thing nationally, it is the same thing nationally as you're as you're describing this. I'm wondering, did Nicole knock on a lot more doors than Max did uh, leading up to this election? Well, the, yes and no. I mean, he was kind of. I felt like he was sort of dead in the water as soon as he was elected. Really? He, yeah, he was not. He was just. You know, it, it was it was one of those things. Sometimes you win an election because there's a small needle. You know, small eye of a needle that you sort of thread. You know, a needle that you can thread. Um, that gets you through at that moment. There was a very famous case like that in Pennsylvania. A man named Harris Wofford won a special election for Senate, and uh, he was trounced the, the following election uh, by Rick Santorum because it's just, you know, sometimes you, you catch a tiger by the tail and you just get it going or whatever you call it, and, and you, ca- you catch lightning in a bottle. Right. That's it for one second, and that's it. But, you know, the, the point is so, it's so important, and it's, uh, again, I'm so very worried that the important lessons of, this la- of the of the last two Donald Trump election you know campaigns will, will be lost because beyond his personality and the things that have a pro- he has a problem with he has created in my opinion an unbeatable national party especially if you take it away from the people who have issues with his personality he's created a Republican party that not only does rallies and does things like that but is anti-war but still pro-defense right he's created a a pro middle class blue collar worker that's still not pro union party right. he's he's been he's really remade the Republican party if they're smart enough to follow the pathway he's given them, uh, that can really be successful because when you put someone who's a little bit more personally less abrasive than Donald Trump at the head of that party or at the head of any ticket, Republican ticket, that's going to be a huge winner for generations to come. When, by contrast, when George W. Bush stepped down in in January of 2009, I felt that the national brand of the Republican Party was absolutely gone. And the only reason why they won some congressional elections after that is because uh, you know, there was there was some anti-Obama, yeah, and some anti-Obama sentiment. So, again, if this election, it, 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 forget about who wins this election just for a second, and understand that if the knocking on doors lessons of this campaign and going out there and having rallies and meeting with the voters is lost, and the remaking of the Republican Party into something that's I think much more ethical and winnable. If both of those things are lost as well, that's really another thing to be sad about at America today. Could you humor me? Is there a per- sure. is there a personality that you have in mind? Is there a type of person that could be a, a calmer Donald Trump and, and yet keep the policies that he's set into motion and keep the Republican Party unified and energized the way you just described? Well, as you just said it, like there's there are a lot of decent people on the Republican bench, but each of them have are either too, you know, too much on the sort of maverick side or, or not enough on the maverick side. I'll give you two names of people I, I really like, uh, and then maybe someone who might actually encapsulate both of them and do a pretty good job. One of them is Richard Grinnell, the former mm. ambassador to Germany. We right. know him as someone who's been incredibly pro-Israel right. and incredibly supportive of Jewish uh, safety in Europe and things like that. His online game, his Twitter game, his quick answers, his, his intelligence is very, very good. But, you know, I, I can see a lot of people being turned off by him. He's not as you know, he's not as rough and tumble as Donald Trump is by any stretch, but people may have an issue with him. Then uh, on the more refined side, you have Nikki Haley, right. who also from a policy standpoint is very, very strong, but a lot of people, especially those new populist-type supporters of Donald Trump, don't trust her. They really feel that she's too much, too closely into the establishment camp 
and they don't trust her. I would say Ted Cruz is similar to Richard Grinnell in that way also. He's still too much of a maverick, I think, for people. And he's not supported enough, uh, supported enough in his own state of Texas, even though he won re-election two years ago. Can I ask, you, can I ask you two names? Yeah. My- uh, I, I mean, I would say Tom Cotton is in a very good place right now. His biggest, his biggest drawback is going to be his very deep southern accent and the mm. fact that the – that he'll be demonized as sort of another white good old boy from right. the south, even though I boy, think Harvard, the, the Harvard li- educated. The liberal like media will have a field day with yeah, him. Yeah, they'll, so. they'll have a field day with his persona, with the way right. he looks, and all that kind of stuff. Um, let me, I think he's strong. Let me ask you two names. Number one, Mike Pence. Yeah. Any chance? Any would, would he fit that mo- that mold for you or not? I just don't think he has a national. He has a personality that's persuasive enough. You and, know, we you've heard me say this before. It's just so sad that people don't look at people's records on on paper. Right. But I don't think that he has the personal charisma in a national setting. In Indiana, he could do it. But right. Because remember, he was a radio. He did a radio show right. in Indiana That's for years. That's correct. And that helped him. Yeah, by the way, his radio, <laughs> his radio personality would not work in New York. <laughs> no, it <laughs> I can, wouldn't. I can tell you so, that. But, and, and I think he doesn't have enough of – no, I don't think he has enough personal charisma, although I think he's really done so much work for – I mean, the the, the – Trump supporters love him. I mean, he does have their support in a way that a lot of other these other Republicans we're mentioning don't. And, have. and the other name I have to ask you about, only because he's become so much more impressive to me as this process went on uh, during 2020, and that's Donald Trump Jr. Any chance? Yeah, well, I think he's got the other problem. You know, so he's too much of a maverick. Right. He's going to come off too much as you know a, a kind of a wild card to the point where people are going to really and, and his name is going to blow up a lot of people's minds. Right. So, I mean, you know, so again, you've got to find someone who can thread that needle of being enough of a person who, who, the, who the, the populace like, the new, the new Trump MAGA country, whatever you want to call them like, and still isn't going to make people have, you know, a conniption. I, I think that Grinnell is the closest to those things. He just, he, I think he needs to do a little bit better with his in-person speaking. He's great online and he's great in short interviews, but I thought his speech at the Republican National Convention was one of the low points. Of the convention, the, mm. the, the the content was fantastic, but he just didn't show the energy. And that might have been that might have been because he was speaking to an empty, you know, an right. empty room it's, or it, empty. It's a hard con- convention. Twenty twenty <laughs> is a hard assignment, that's yeah. for sure. All right, Jake Novak was uh, is with us. Uh, final words, Jake, and you know it's JM and the AM, so I have to end with this. Um, even though California, Illinois, and New York, and New Jersey, and Connecticut <laughs> are out of play completely, uh, it is still somewhat a positive notion that. States with a uh, with an Israel loving Jewish community are still involved in the uh, in the process. Florida, Ohio, uh, I think we could toss Pennsylvania in there. Texas, to an extent, with Houston and Dallas getting a larger and larger Jewish communities. Would you say, in fact, that the Jewish influence in 2020 is still significant? Yes, I mean it's it's there is there still is no such thing as the national Jewish vote. I wish people would stop saying that there is no real. But but from a state by state basis, which of course comes into play in, when when your state can decide a presidential election. It can, uh, it does play a role, and it would be nice if people talked about candidates who are trying to woo the Jewish community and try to have pro-Israel uh, platforms to stop talking about it in terms of, oh, donations, which, of course, right. leads to a lot of anti-Semitic stuff and right. things, like, things like that. No, if, if Florida were a little bit closer and you got, you know, and, and for example, the national Jewish vote went for 80% for Biden, but in Florida and places like South Florida, it was more even then you can really argue that the Jewish vote played a major role there. Yeah. It's also interesting to note all the people that are moving to Florida and Texas from around the country, and that's going yeah. ma- and it's going to make the dem- I assume it's going to make the demographic shift one way or the other over the next few years. Yeah, a lot of states are changing. I mean, you know, look, Michigan and with Michigan now and Pennsylvania now, two elections in a row again, shenanigans 
notwithstanding, I don't know what's going to happen in those states with the absentee ballots and things like that. But now you've had, you know, just on the other flip side of the coin, is that you have states like Michigan and Pennsylvania that have sort of kind of gone to Republicans now after, you know, a generation of them being thought as, as out of reach. By the end of this week, will there be an official result or not? Uh, I, I'm feeling like maybe no, because if, if, if there is going to be an issue of a court challenge, I don't think that gets resolved in the week. It's in a week. I think it'll be resolved faster than, than 2000 was, because remember, that was like 30 days or something, or right. more than 30 days when we right. were in limbo. But this is a really dangerous time for the country. There's just no doubt about it. The one good thing you can say about last night is that we didn't have riots. <laughs> I didn't see any riots or any more violence. I saw so one. I'm sto- happy for that. I saw one story about disorder, but I'm not sure you know that it was to the level that anybody you know was worried about. Yeah, so that's the one good thing. But but no, I think I think that if, for example, it, 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 to me it feels like the Trump campaign has a good case on its hands in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, for for that for that last group of absentee ballots to have been so heavily pro Biden at that late hour. Uh, that feels like a court case to me, and I don't think that's going to be decided so quickly. He's officially with 97% of the Wisconsin vote in. He's officially up, excuse me, he's officially down, meaning the president, yeah. by 21,000 votes. Yeah, oh, 21,000. Okay, yeah. well, then that's uh, that's problem. And then maybe we're not in a, in a situation where that will, will drag us. Last time I checked, it was more like, uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was less than that. So they're, yeah, they're count- I guess they started counting. Yeah, yeah. To be if, to be uh, uh, completely accurate, it's twenty and a half thousand, right? Okay. Well, then that then that <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we've saved ourselves that 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 sort of. So again, but if it's Pennsylvania that ends up being the, the court case, and a, and a lot of people are assuring everybody, oh, Pennsylvania, Trump has too much of a lead for them to really steal that one. Well, you know, he's up by six hundred and fifty thousand votes right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that's true. Now let's see what happens in Georgia. Let's see what happens in in Michigan. Uh, I, I don't know where we are in you know. I, I think that you would think that again, if Trump wins Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, he's going to win the presidency. Georgia but, is up by a hundred thousand right now, and Michigan yeah. he, Michigan he's up by a twenty seven thousand. So yeah, yeah, okay. So that I think that lead has has, has shrunken in Michigan as well. So I, I think we may have lawsuits there, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. <sighs> wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, like you, but when you say this was the worst thing that could have happened, you, you would you would I mean, knowing your political um, uh, preferences, you you would not have preferred a landslide on either side compared to this, right? No, I mean, I think. I mean, well, you know, listen, landslide. It's been too long since this country's had a real landslide right. election that wasn't tinged by a momentary event. You know, Barack Obama won by a lot, but it wasn't a, a real landslide. But you could say, oh, well, that was a very clear election result in 2008, not so clear in 2012. Right. It, uh, landslides have a way of, of really setting a country back on a, a better course. We probably could use one in, in the coming years, but the country's really different. There are a lot of people who are feeling pessimistic about the unified aspect of this country right now, and right. I don't blame them. I hear that. I also didn't remember until they were analyzing it last night how close the 04 election was. Did you realize how close that election was? Yes. That- I, I, you know, I, that's why I reminded people. You know, in 04, I was telling everyone all year that Ohio was going to decide it and not Florida. Really? And sure enough, not only did it decide it, but people forget that the, the front pages of the major newspapers the morning after that election night also said it was contested still. They said it wasn't decided yet because Ohio had a lot of votes to count. Right. And, and, and President Bush pulled, that, pulled it out in Ohio. Had Kerry won Ohio, he would have won the presidency. So that was super close. Um, but, you know, it was all relative. You had someone who had lost the popular vote the last time and hadn't won as many electoral college votes who increased on both counts in 2004 in the person of George W. Bush. If Donald Trump wins this election, 
then it'll be the second time in a row where we've had a president win re-election with fewer, with a smaller margin in the in the in the electoral college than he had the first time, and a weaker result in the popular vote. That would be two elections in a row uh, where, it, and it hadn't happened since James Madison. <laughs> until Obama, and now we could have two presidents in a row that do that. To me, that's really murky waters. Um, since we're based on the island of Manhattan, mm-hmm. let's, let's have some fun before I let you go. <laughs> do you know what the Biden advantage was last night on the island of Manhattan? I don't. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I, assume it's, I, mean, I assume it's crazy high, and I'm sure it was, you know, the bulk of it was vote, was vote by mail. A- according to the last figure I got last night from my kids before I went to sleep, it was 80%. <laughs> yeah. You know, and for people in Manhattan, you know, you have the most, from a, from a racial and from a, a, a you know, a country of origin standpoint, you have the most diverse part of the country in Manhattan and places like Queens, and yet it's all groupthink. It, it, the, the, the amount of the way people think the same is, is and, and, you know, I wonder, it, it's just, it, should we stop saying the word diversity when we're talking about communities, no matter how large? where there's an 80% agreement on things like presidential candidates. Right. I mean, I think that diversity is a word they don't deserve to have. Good point. Uh, Jake, I thank you. A lot of clarity, as uh, some <laughs> of our listeners have already pointed out on uh, on our app, and uh, it's much appreciated, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back, hopefully after uh, the decision has been made or the results are official. If it takes a long time for that, then I guess we'll have you on during the process. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jake. Thank you. Jake Novak, brilliant political commentator. With us every Monday at 11 a.m. on the Nahum Siegel Network with Novak now. And we get him on whenever we need clarity. And boy, he's able to provide it. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the Nahum Siegel Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app.
one who gave us our state. Hashem is one we appreciate. Ivan and Hamikdash. Hashem is one. Ha ha. Children will 
There we go. JM in the AM. Dove Hentler with SRA9. The Promise. We did it earlier, but I had to get it on again. It's a great brand new song from IA Kunstler. The Promise. Hashem is one. Schlock rock. Important to remember now that the election is over. Well, it's not over, but you get my point. Quarter after 8 o'clock, Wednesday morning, JM in the AM. Well, I promised you that we would speak with Mark Zamek about the vote. But... Uh, the vote is not the vote for Trump versus Biden. The vote is about something much more important, <laughs> he said tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Mark Zamek, brilliant music director of the Nahum Siegel Network. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, there you go. Mark Zamek, welcome back to JM in the AM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. I heard you a little bit in the background, but yeah. You would, thi- you would, you would think after 37 <laughs> years I'd know which buttons to push, huh? Exactly. No worries. I'm cre- uh, I'm crediting it to exhaustion after uh, election night fever. I have to tell you, four years ago, I said Hillary Clinton's going to win. I'm going to bed at nine o'clock, and I went to bed at nine o'clock, and I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning, flipped on CNN, and that was the last of my sleep that night. I stayed up <laughs> and watched the rest. This year, I said Biden's going to win. Going to win. I'm going to sleep at nine o'clock, and I went to sleep at nine o'clock. I checked a couple times in the middle of the night, and it was no rush to uh, sit and watch uh, everybody grouse over. So where where a ten point lead in the polls uh, nationally and a five point lead in the polls in Florida disappeared to you so quickly. So, unbelievable! Was, the whole thing is unbelievable. Anyway, I did. They don't know. They, by the way, they don't know how to count votes. There's your segue. We know how to count votes. <laughs> That's true. By the way, <laughs> we do not account votes, and thank God in this case we're not responsible for it. I think the people, <laughs> the people at NCSY are. But anyway, uh, the vote we're talking about has nothing to do with Trump versus Biden. The vote that we're talking about may actually keep you up late at night even more than Trump versus Biden. Because how on earth, when you're asked to vote for your one favorite Shabbos song, can you possibly come up? With only one, go to ncsy.org slash song vote, ncsy.org slash song vote, ncsy.org slash song vote, and vote now for your favorite one Shabbos song. Uh, in partnership with NCSY, Jam Nam with Nahum Siegel, we're presenting this vote and this countdown for the number one Shabbos song of all time. This is something that we've undertaken in the past, you may recall. Uh, under the leadership of Mark Zomick. And what they've done here is they've actually provided a list of potential nominees. They, of course, don't have the winner up here uh, because, in my opinion, there's only one winner to what the best Shabbos song of all time is, and it's not on this list. And by the way, I actually told the people at NCSY to be in consultation with Mark Zomick about this. I could blame him. I actually have him on now. He's on right now. I could yell at him uh, in front of everybody. Uh, by, by the way, our countdown was also at this time of the year. Oh, was it? Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right. Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, how on earth can you be consulted and the number one obvious best Shabbos song of all time is not on their nominee list? How is that humanly possible? Explain it to me. 
Um, well, it, uh, look, uh, when, when, when Ari Green asked me to give him my, uh, some of my favorite selections, I, I said, when I gave him the list, I go, this list could be completely different next week. Yeah, um, tomorrow would be different. And the, and the bigger question is how you even define a Shabbat song. Let me, let me, you know what, before you even go into this, let me tell you what the nominees are according to NCSY slash Mark Zomick, because he did have a lot of influence, folks, and I need to be angry at somebody for not including my favorite Shabbos song. And by the way, it's not it's time to say good Shabbos. Everyone's probably thinking, how could it be that it's not it's time to say good Shabbos? Here's what they have. They have Shalom Aleichem from Rabish Brot and Regesh. It's a good one. Baruch Kelo, Yon from the Zemiros All-Star album. Ka Echso from Magevet. Ka Echso's a big one. Kol Mikade Shvi. Uh, from Shalhevet, Aishas Chayel by Mayor Davis. I believe that's the traditional Aishas Chayel. Mordechai Sobel's Mim Komcha. Menucha from uh, Yerachmiel Begun in the Miami Boys Choir. Menucha Vesimcha, that is a classic. It's time to say good Shabbos. There it is. That signals the end of the week for us at JMN with Journeys. Minion Man, a great Shabbos song, assuming it would meet Mark Zomik's requirement for a Shabbos song. We'll ask him in a minute. Ms. Marla David, done by Yitzchak Perlman and Kent Yitzchak Mayor Helfgott. Yismachu from Shlomo Katz. That's a great one. Just one Shabbos, of course. I think that may have won last time we did it. I'll ask Mark in a moment. Yom Shakulo Shabbos from Sherwood Goffin. Tov Lahodos from Avrami Flam. Rachem from Mordechai Ben David. You did Nefesh, one of the classics from Zemiros. Ain't Gonna Work on Saturday. Suki and Ding and company with that great classic. Um, the Shabbos. For many, many people in this audience, the first Shabbos song they ever... Uh, they ever learned, frankly. One Peaceful Friday Night from Jep and Yom Zemachubad, the classic from Mayor Davis. So start with those two, uh, Mark. Number one, it's time to say good Shabbos. Does that qualify in your opinion as a Shabbos song? And also, what was the other one I asked? Uh, yeah, was that the one, uh, Just One Shabbos, was that the one that won our last time around? So I would say my recollection has just popped into my head. We did not do a wide survey for our Shabbos songs. It was the staff favorite ah, Shabbos song. Got it. There's a little loophole there. Got it. Um, it might have won, um, I, it, but maybe because it got two votes, right? Because right. it was a very small group of... Uh, it seems to be the obvious, easy choice, but I'm not sure anybody would really pick it. If you're really going to define a Shabbos song... Well, is Journey's they, Time to Say Good Shabbos a Shabbos song, or do you have very, very strict guidelines? No, I would say to, to many, and certainly to you, Journey's is a Shabbos song. Right. Right, because I would define, I was thinking about this, obviously, since we talked yesterday, I think I would define a Shabbos song in this case, again, not in our music rotation on Friday or not on the Arab Shabbos show, which is maybe a broader definition. In this case, I would define a Shabbos song as a song that makes you think or feel about Shabbos, and maybe even more important, feel about Shabbos. So for you, right, because you just, for the reason you just mentioned, it's time to say the Shabbos may be the ultimate Shabbos song, because right. it's essentially, okay, my it's, public work is done for the week, and right. now I'm getting ready for Shabbos. Right. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I think that that's where, and certainly my suggestions to them so now, were pretty much along those so lines. So how do they consult with you, and the best Shabbos song of all time is not on the list? How's that possible? So they consulted with me by asking my opinion on to give them a number of songs. By the, way, fo- Arbit- by the way, folks, at some point, Mark is going to ask me what song I have in mind. I'm just letting you know. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think that the way, you know, I, I was consulted by give them a list of suggestions. Right. Essentially, what are my favorite job songs? Right. And not to arbitrate to say, well, given this list, right, Right. What? how would you then choose what the, you know, again, if I'm going to broadly define 
I'm sorry, if I'm going to narrowly define Shabbos songs the way I did, right. obviously you have a personal choice. And then obviously what's the collective communal choice? Because in that case, maybe Shalom Aleichem, Meshach, Chayel, Shvi'i is sort of in that genre because they make you feel and it evokes the emotion of Shabbos. Yeah, and it's, a, and it's part of the Shabbos liturgy. That's another thing. Right, exactly. You know, or something like that where, okay, mm. you know what? Now it's Shabbos. Now you're making it even more difficult. We haven't even discussed the, the the actual favorite that should be there, and you're making this so much more difficult now. I know. Well, it's it's you know it's a personal choice, and you know, like I say when I write articles in the newspaper, these are my these are my opinions, and you should agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> so NCSY, and again, people should go to ncsy.org/songvote because this is only for like a next day or two. Sometime tomorrow night, I'm supposed to be doing something to help them announce the winner of this uh, incredible contest. It's part of the NCSY uh, One Shabbos Inspiration for a Lifetime event. They're trying to recreate as best as possible the Shabbaton online. Obviously, that's um, impossible during the 25 hours of Shabbos, but because there have been no NCSY Shabbatons, which is a very, very big uh, detriment uh, due to coronavirus, they're trying to you know give everybody the uh, uh, you know give everybody at least a feeling of the togetherness of the NCSY Shabbaton, and obviously music, songs is a very important part of that. Uh, you heard all the nominees. Of these, by the way, there are like 20 songs I just mentioned. Of these, did you agree with all of them, or were you were you skeptical of some of those choices? Um, skeptical is a strong word. Uh, you would not you, have, know, you would not have included some of them in the list of, of potentials. I mean, again, it wasn't in my list, but there. Are, I think that they might have only there only might have been three or four of them from my list. Right. Oh, really? That, That's that it? Are, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. The nerve. And, you know, and it's also interesting. I just, it sort of popped into my head this week is that One Peaceful Friday Night, which was one of the songs right. on my list, right. um, is really gets, could get three votes for the same song, and they're all Shabbos songs, because it's One Peaceful Friday Night, which is a, obviously a Shabbos song. Right. In the middle of that, they sing the, I don't know, the what you were, the nigrin that we sing with Edith Nefesh on Friday night. Right. So that gets two votes. And also the tune of One Peaceful Friday Night is Mikolas Mayim Rabin from right. Shlomo Kava. Right. So it gets like sort of three votes for uh, for a Shabbos song. Oh, you're starting to influence the election a little bit. Uh, you know, didn't we learn yesterday? You're not supposed to do that. It depends who you are. <laughs> I, I, I think if there was a rule about not influencing the election, we'd have a very different election and a very different media, and certainly different social media. But don't even get me started. So now it might be time for you to ask, Hey Nahum. Uh, you're going crazy that the best Shabbos song, in your opinion, is not on this list. What on earth is the best Shabbos song? You might want um, to ask so, me that. Wait, I, I want to try to think if I were not from Seattle. Oh, go ahead. This would really... I don't know if you'll yeah. get it. I don't know if you may get it. I'm not sure. Also, you have to remember the context. You mentioned, Right, that's the problem. Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned. You remember tomorrow could be different. But today, today... I might be thinking of this specific song to be the number one Shabbos song of all time. Remember, you said earlier that our countdown was around Thanksgiving time. My right. my thinking right now is on Wednesday, November the fourth, the seventeenth of Mar Cheshvan. That could have a uh, potential influence to my chagrin that it wasn't included in the list on the NCSY dot org slash song vote uh, website. I don't know. Care to guess? I'm just for- Care to guess? Care to guess? Were you listening at all to yesterday's Jam and Um, what's today? Today is Wednesday. I don't think. No, yesterday I was not listening to Jam. That's rare for you. You Usually, tune in at least for a little bit. 
That's a rarity. At least for a little bit. Yeah, it was a, I don't know, it was a weird morning yesterday. Wow. Um, man, I just. Here, maybe I could play it. You ready? Yeah. Which computer am I on here? <laughs> I, yeah, right. uh, election Day has erased my ability to press the right buttons yeah. for some reason. Okay, here we go. So many choices. Yeah, a lot of choices. Yeah, that's right. We have a lot of computers here. Oh, Mark Zomick is is slapping himself on the forehead that he didn't come up with this one. Mark Zomick is ready to send a, a mass email to NCSY. How dare you not include this one in the big list? Mark Zomick, to do tshuva for all this, is probably going to include this song in the Arab Shabbos show tomorrow night. We need a full investigation as to who was responsible for the final list of songs on the NCSY vote page. We need a full investigation, everybody. <laughs> Send them to me. Let them edu- let me educate them as to the best Arab Shabbos selection. Are you slapping yourself on the forehead? No, I obviously that was skewed by the fact that his yard site was yesterday. <laughs> or because I think that even given, I don't know, a three-week break from the yard site either before or after, you might have even gone with a half a dozen other Kalbach songs Ooh, before that one. Nice. By the way, I don't even think there is a Kalbach song on this list. Am I wrong? Like his curry bone is not on here. Explain right, that. Right, but some of his tunes might be, right? Right, that's true. I just mentioned One Piece of right. Friday Night. I mean, how on earth is it possible that there's not one shot, Bowie V'Shalom? How could that be, that Bowie V'Shalom from Shlomo Kalbach's not on this list? Um, right, and again, I think that these, like, certainly my list was so, such a personal list. Like, I have Limbic Dashech Tuv on my list because I remember singing at my grandfather's Shabbos table. Right, I hear that. Right, so, uh, you know, that's where uh, I think it becomes a very personal uh I, I, there are definitely songs on that list that I would not. I know Minion Man is technically a Shabbos song, and it's a great classic song, but I don't know that Minion Man falls into that well, category of Shabbos songs. The only thing I would say about that is because this is under the banner of NCSY, um, okay. for a lot of kids, it's the first Shabbos song they learn. Okay, okay. I hear that. Um, I, although I would think that NCSY probably should check their venture. They're famous in she- to make sure all the Shabbos songs on their list are at least showing up in the venture. Yeah, that's right. Minion so, Man's not in there. Definitely not in there. At least so, I think so. Um, it is. Been, and by the way, that whole, you know, we think about, and it, and it just obviously occurred to me when you said it, that whole, you know, what effect does this whole Matzav have on us? And to think that there are a year, seriously, a year of high school kids, right, in that formative year, that would have gone to a Shabbaton and maybe would have made a choice later on through that process to become Shomer Shabbos or go to Israel or whatever it is. There's a year of kids we might have lost. I mean, think about what that what, what effect it has in the long-term community. That's crazy. I, I, I think a lot about this. I think about all the birthright trips that had to be canceled. I think about all the summer programs, including NCSY, that were uh, canceled. And what you just said, that there's no Shabbaton and no regular face-to-face interaction between NCSY advisors 
and the kids in our communities, as you just described, it, I believe it's devastating, absolutely devastating. And I, I hope, I hope, I don't know if it takes vaccine or maybe now that November 3rd is passed, whatever it takes to get back to that, I hope it happens really quickly because, yes. Well, no, November 1st is technically passed, but November 1st isn't really passed. Right. I mean, there's no ele- there's, there's election. is not done. Right. Election day is not over, but hopefully when it is, who right. knows, maybe things will accelerate a bit. Uh, now, what's the policy? Are you voting in this, or are you, like I, are saying, you know what, it would be wrong for me to cast a ballot in the NCSY Best Job is Song contest? I, I, I would say that in this case, you and I are superdelegates because Ooh. we voted before, mm. and our selections drove the— uh, Right? Is, is there, there, there's no write-in vote on that yet. Yes. 20 songs. What are you oh, talking about? I'm, if I vote, I'm going to write in that Kalbach selection. Oh, I, just, I, just okay. don't, I just don't think yeah. I should vote. It says on the bottom, it says other. I just don't other, know if I should yeah. vote or not. Like, I'm trying to think. Is it wrong for us to vote in this? Right. Probably I'm, is. I would think that we're super super delegates in this case. I mean, come on. We're way, too, mean, we're way too important to vote in this. Come on. <laughs> well, I, I also don't know who's counting the votes to be able to rely, you know. Uh, I know Ari Green and I have different, uh, sometimes different tastes in uh, in music. So uh, if he's going to, oh, that's a Zomic vote, I'm throwing that away. So, I'm no, just kidding. I'm just maybe kidding. you'll have to vote just to counteract those who are uh, who are not thinking along the same lines you are when it comes to this contest. I don't know what to say anymore. Anyway, tomorrow night it seems we're doing something with NCSY to announce all this. So pay attention tomorrow morning, everybody. We'll have uh, hopefully the latest details on that. And Mark is going to join me again. Uh, during our live lunch tomorrow, we're also going to include, I'm hoping this is going to work, we're going to include a millennial in tomorrow's live lunch, Mark, <laughs> to see to see if it's people right, to see if people like me and you have anything in common Shabbos song-wise with someone who's in their early 20s. So we're gonna... Well, again, it comes back to the fact that if it's a Zemmer that you sang at your father's table and a Zemmer that your kids sang at your table, then, then there might be a lot of overlap. Right. Well, I can tell you, in my family's case, likely not. But <laughs> I, I, get, I get criticized on a weekly basis when I pull out the old dude, So <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think my kids might vote for a Kalamakadesh. Okay, you know, in. like that. You know, why not? I hear it. All right, so we're going to do that tomorrow during the live lunch. I'll hopefully have some type of update tomorrow morning. Maybe I'll get more today from our friends at NCSY. Will we have the early vote? Will the early vote be in? Oh, good point. Good point. Will the uh, pre-Thursday vote be uh be available to us. I don't know. Are we ca- are, are we ca- are we counting the absentee ballots like New Jersey before election day, or you know, are we going to wait till everybody? You know, this is now getting so complicated. I'm going to put you in charge of this as well. With all the things I put you in charge of, now I think this is <laughs> this is on your plate as well. I apologize, but I have no choice. Uh, okay. <laughs> L- luckily, I live about you know 200 feet from Ari Green, so I could just go throw a rock through his window. What are you preparing for tomorrow night at 7 p.m.? Um, some interesting Parsha songs this week. It's Vieira. Vieira, a couple, actually a couple of the passable songs I would say from Six Thirteen Dart Avenue might slip in. Um, the uh, uh, and you can play the interesting one from Safam Encore, a, a song for Lot. Wow! Like w- when does Lot ever get his own song? Are there Arca- um, are there Arcada songs? Yes, several, several Arcada songs. You can find them in Sugar Sink. Wow. Um, if you could figure out how to spell Arcada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, when we talk to those guys from Dartmouth, that's going to be at the top of my list. Oh my gosh, I um, forgot we got to do that conversation. And yes, that, that, that is topic number one. That is topic number one. Um, and um, so that there are definitely Arcada songs. A song for Loki was one. Oh yeah, just uh, the there's a great song um, from Yossi Green from the eighth note called Lama. That's 
why is Yerushalayim called Yerushalayim? And it's because um, Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem, and, and basically Abraham and, 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 and Shame named the, the city. So that's a good, I consider that a Parsha song. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, I want to wish I, I want to wish my niece and nephew a Mazel Tov. Uh, Dina and Rabbi Benjamin Chayfetz had a brand new baby boy last night. Mazel Tov. What about Mazel Tov to the Rothbachs and the Hochbaum? Yes, I heard that. Another too. rabbinic marriage over uh, there. I don't know. We're getting more and more school principals in this family somehow. I'm I mean, not sure. You're, you're going to be related to every Jewish leader soon in the community. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that's working out, but Mazel Tov to Peretz and Lisa, who we know forever. Yep. No Peretz since, since Corina days. Correct. And and actually, Lisa grew up to, next door to my grandmother, Elias Shalom. And, of course, we know the Rothbachs forever, so uh, Mazel Tov to them on the engagement of their children, Akiva and Shani. And, and to make it even more JMNAM-centric, we should wish Mazel Tov to the Udins. Yes, the Udins, and, and it was great to see Ari Green and, and Jonathan Rimberg playing at the, uh, at the little uh, outdoor uh, Lachaim that they had the other day. I actually saw them play together uh, a couple months ago for my father-in-law's birthday in June. My wife got Jonathan Rimberg and... Uh, Ari Green and Mark Infield to m- do a marching band outside my father-in-law's house. Wow! To, well, my father-in-law used to run the marching band in Fairlawn for the public school system. <laughs> he used to be like the marching band leader. So my wife got the, a marching band to uh, play happy, and they and they all know my father-in-law from growing up in Fairlawn. So it was nice that they came with the big drums and the trumpets and everything to play for his birthday. Very cool. Very very yeah. cool. All right, everybody who wants to participate with us, uh, remember, we're getting together during the live lunch again tomorrow to discuss this, and there ain't no better discussion than discussing Shabbos songs. NCSY.org slash song vote. Vote early, vote often, although I think they think I think they said that only one you know, per computer or whatever. NCSY.org slash song vote. Participate right in the vote. Obviously, you want to write in my favorite if you wish. You want to write in if you wish. Um, uh, so check it out, and you'll find that at that website, ncsy.org slash songvote. Tadaraba, Mr. Zamek. The official soundtrack of Arab Shabbos, the Nachum Siegel Network. You could say that again. I mean, once 7 p.m. You know, kicks in tomorrow night, I mean, I don't know what we're doing with NCSY. I have no idea if it's on our network or not. I really should find out. But once, uh, once the – I'm assuming it's not and that it's on their website. But once uh, that 7 p.m. slot kicks off, I mean, my gosh, you dominate. Uh, we're talking about a show that's on at 7 p.m. It's uh, encored at 3 a.m., then again at 10 a.m. Erev Shabbos Music Mix, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. goes all day long. And then Mark Zomik has added, Mark Zomik has added the final hour of the week, which I'm assuming this week is what, about 3.20? About 3.20 this week, I guess? Um, yeah, I guess so. Is that, pretty soon, the, 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 the final version of the airing of the Erev Shabbos show and the final hour are going to be back-to-back. I yeah, think, the, uh, way, the way things are going, <laughs> right. Because, uh, so 3.20 tomorrow, the final hour, brought to you by the wonderful people like Kedem. It is the soundtrack for Erev Shabbos, and the best way to start Shabbos, uh, it's with us here at the Nahum Siegel. One of, one of the questions you might want to ask your uh, designated millennial tomorrow yeah. is, when you say on Friday, you don't have to touch that dial, <laughs> what are you talking about? That's funny. I never even thought of that. But there is no reason to touch the dial once we hit Thursday morning. Or, or, or ever, so yeah, uh, it's there I, all the time. I agree with that, but there's no excuse once Thursday morning hits. Right. Zoomer, somebody suggested, and I, I didn't even realize we weren't doing this, but maybe if I mention it to you on the air, I'll actually remember to mention it to you, because every time I speak to you off the air, I forget. Um, there are people who really want the um, final hour archived as a separate show. 
because they and I said, "What? You want to listen to it like you know Monday?" They said, "Yeah, I want to listen to it on right. Monday." So I don't know. Something to consider. I guess we have got to speak to Avrami and just make that happen. Yeah, there's, there's no reason not to. Well, you just have to remember every time he sets the launch to set the recording. Right. I guess, but right. there's no reason not to. I mean, the playlist is there. You know, we've always we we've never really published a playlist only because it's a little bit of an extra pain. So, uh, you know, but right. uh, people ask for that too. Give me the playlist you played for the Arab Shabbos show. My gosh, but I hear. My gosh, what we're providing for the world Jewish community is amazing. It really is. It's it's an incre- and and there's not even anyone who can touch it. I mean, nobody thinks about these things. But there are certainly, believe it or not, other places people can listen to Jewish music, but nothing like. Oh my God! Why are they playing this song? On right. uh, it's not a Shabbos song. Oh my God! It's in the Aftorah. Like yeah, we are, we are so. Oh, last week's Aftorah, by the way. Whoo, chock full of songs. Well, the week before, even more. Right. Well, Noah was, you know, because Noah is the combination. I even mentioned this on the show, right? Because we talked about it this over the summer. It's a combination of like where A and Kiseitze, right. of those, you know, those two Aftorahs. So one of my two of my favorite, the Shetzef and uh, Shimu uh, Utchina Shachem are in that Aftorah. Well, we're doing, uh, we're, we're providing something that's simply amazing and uh, way ahead of everybody else, and you're one of the reasons for it, Mark. I thank you, and we'll speak tomorrow. Please, God, during the live lunch. Thank you. I will speak to you then. Bye. NCSY.org slash song vote. They want your favorite Shabbos song. That's what they want. NCSY.org slash song vote. Check it out and vote. Vote early and often, or as many times as they let you. <laughs> This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net, and try A&H today. Uh, our friends at Partners in Torah have postponed their visit. They were supposed to be on today, then be scheduled for tomorrow, and now it looks like it's going to be next week. Uh, go to partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat. Partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat. You'll see what they're doing. Go to partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat. Check out the website. Really cool what they're doing. But they have a, a song debut and a whole bunch of information about this project that they're going to provide to our audience. We thought it would be this week. Now it looks like it'll be next week. So we'll have that for you eventually. But meanwhile, go to partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat. Partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat. And you are listening to JM in the AM.
J.M.A.M. with Eitan Katz. Chazda Hashem, a great Kalbach selection that uh, Eitan included in Unplugged Volume Number 3. Wednesday morning, J.M.A.M., day after Election Day. Well, our resident uh, political commentator for the last, uh, oh my gosh, I think more than eight, nine years at this point, is Michael Fragan, who has the ability to discuss uh, national and the local with tremendous acumen. We appreciate him calling in on this busy Wednesday morning at JM and the AM. Michael Fragan, welcome back to JM and the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning to everyone out there who probably had a very long night. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you can hear Michael every Thursday, including tomorrow at 9.30 a.m., right after Charlie Harari, with the spin class as he gives a, uh, a spin and analysis of what's happening around the country and locally. In the world of politics, I actually calculated well. I said this earlier to the listeners. I calculated pretty well. I went to bed eleven forty-five, uh, assuming that I really wouldn't miss much until you know I wake up at four thirty. And honestly, except for the president's statement, I played that pretty well. I must say, I give myself a pat on the back. <laughs> well, not much has changed, um, other than the fact that overnight it seems that Wisconsin went for you know it's just I shouldn't say went for uh, that. I don't think any of the calls have been changed. Right. Um, you know, it's not like Florida 2000 where the networks all called something for one candidate and then they retracted it and called it for the other one and then took that back. So we didn't have that. They were actually very, very cautious, extraordinarily. So uh, Wisconsin went from a slight Trump lead to a slight Biden lead. Um, and um, they, the expectation is that Michigan and Georgia will uh, come with the res- their results uh, sometime today. Now, just remember, uh, this is actually like election day counting has not finished in some of these states. So it's the actual machines. We're not even talking about some of the paper ballots that exist out there. And every state has their own rules as to how they count. Uh, because in America, we have a great system, a federalist system. We don't have one size fits all. Every state is free to make their own decisions as to how they collect, uh, conduct elections. What did you think of the president's statement? Uh, look, if if you want to have a strategy and you want to and you're saying I'm going to win and I won and I'm telling you I won, then you stake out there your territory that you that you won, and uh, it's not dissimilar from uh, from what uh, other candidates have done in the past. Is you have a lead, protect the lead. Right. Um, 
I, if you also saw that Pence did not make the same type of statement, he said, uh, uh, but let me, let me just actually just say, and this is the thing that people kind of interpret the president in a way that's always, or the media interprets the president always in the worst way. And yes, there are things that he says, and there are tweets that he says, but in the end, he's conflating the idea of we're going to count all ballots that come after Election Day. That was kind of what he, what he was referring to, people who voted after, which they shouldn't be able to do, um, with, with the counting that's currently going on of things that have come before Election Day and, and uh, on Election Day. And he kind of lumps everything the same, the same way he lumped mail ballots and absentee ballots in the, say, in the same way. Um, so, and as you saw, as we saw even early on, that the mail ballots uh, benefited him tremendously in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the first numbers to report in Florida are early mail ballots uh, that, 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 are, that are taken. Those are counted right away in Florida. And he did well in those. And he had a lead in Florida and really never relinquished the lead. Um, so you see that. I, I know that people out there, uh, you get a lot of questions about how much fraud there is. In elections, yes, there can be fraud in elections, but wholesale fraud, large-scale fraud, is extremely rare. Uh, if not, if not, um, just almost never happens. I mean, you know, we can go back to 1960, I guess, with the rumors of Kennedy versus Nixon. But other than that, we don't really know about large-scale fraud happening in any election. And it's more likely that if there is fraud, it's in a more local election, a smaller one. It's, well, I think it, there's a lot less scrutiny. It's right. a lot harder to it's a lot harder to do one in a presidential election where there are tr- uh, incredible amount of eyes watching. Right. And you have to have a lot of conspirators in uh, to, to commit election fraud that, of thousands of ballots. All right, we did a lot of uh, national analysis so far this morning. We call upon you for yet another area of your expertise, and that's some of the other races around the country. What did you think? of an election that to us was designated by the media as a dead heat, and then we see an overwhelming victory of Maliotakis over Rose. So that race uh, was trending towards the GOP. And, and look, let, let me say in general, uh, the media had had, had there that it was going to be a blue wave. In fact, Democrats expected a blue wave all around the country last night. Mm. Uh, for whatever happens in the presidential race, uh, for whatever happens, I think it's pretty clear that the Republicans will hold the U.S. Senate. In fact, they might pick up uh, two seats, uh, you know, net because there's a missed Michigan race right now. John James, the Republican, is slightly ahead, uh, which is a surprise to many. Uh, but the blue wave didn't happen. Not only did the blue wave not happen, but in some of these races, like Valiatakis Rose, where it was expected to be neck and neck and uh, too close to call, she really blew him out. Um, and, you know, part of that, that will probably tighten with paper, but there's no way that's going to end up being, that was a much bigger margin than anybody expected. Uh, Max Rose committed a, a terrible political mistake in supporting impeachment. Right. Constituents never forgave him right. uh, for that. Uh, when you try and, in his district, which voted heavily for Trump in 2016, I don't think voters like the idea that he decided that he was going to try and remove the president, vote to remove the president. Uh, He was on a lot of pressure from the left in order to do that, and it cost him dearly. And uh, it also seems that Nicole had some coattails because the state Senate seat that overlaps that in Brooklyn, which is a heavily Jewish state Senate seat, used to be represented by Barney Golden, uh, now held by Andrew Gunnardis. Andrew Gunnardis is is behind, uh, I think, by 5,000 or more votes, 
Um, so that was a district also heavily Russian, heavily Jewish, uh, where voters were very unhappy with the uh, with the direction the Democrats were going. Um, any Senate or House races around the country that were as surprising to you? I don't know actually if Molly Thakis was surprising to you, but on the assumption that you were also expecting some type of dead heat, uh, any other elections around the country that were uh, that were more of a shock than that one? Uh, well, I mean, I think depending on how, certainly, let me put it this way, the Senate seats, um, the expectation, of course, was that uh, by almost everybody that the Democrats were going to take the U.S. Senate and millions and millions of dollars poured into some of these races that ended up being not even remotely close. Um, you're talking about the South Carolina seat where this oh, guy, right. uh, Jamie point. Harrison, raised, raised right. I mean, record sums of money. And didn't Not help. even close. Right. Yeah, it looks like Susan Collins, you know, is poised to hang on right. in Maine, although, again, a lot of ballots not counted there yet. Um, so there's a surprise. I mean, there are some. I am surprised that the Republicans uh, took seats. Uh, it seems that they took seats in other areas. They, they took another seat in upstate New York, Claudia Tenney. Uh, it defeated, it looks like, by defeated Anthony Brindisi. So everybody said New York, New York, blue wave, et cetera. It looks like, uh, it looks like they'll take, the Republicans will net two congressional seats uh, for the Republicans here, two takebacks. They will hold the Peter King seat in, on Long Island. Andrew Garbarino with a big win. Lee Zeldin wins by a lot, and that was supposed to be neck and neck against an extremely well-funded challenger. Yeah, how did that happen, uh, that Zeldin won by so much? Uh, well, uh, President always perform, had performed well in that district in 2016, and that electorate came out. And, uh, you know, a, a, as well as a number of state Senate races on the on the more local level that re- Republicans were looking at a wipeout, at least according to the media, and that didn't happen at all. It looks like they swept, Republicans will sweep most of the, uh, many of the state Senate seats in, in uh, Suffolk County. Wow. Uh, it looks like in Rockland County, a Republican is in the lead. We don't know about the paper ballots. But a, a Republican will uh, potentially win the seat in Rockland County for state Senate, uh, uh, Bill Weber. And a Republican assemblyman has taken out a longtime uh, uh, Democratic incumbent, Ellen Jaffe, a longtime antagonist of the Orthodox community, uh, by a very, very significant margin. Um, and you have the Orthodox community going heavily in, in Rockland County, going heavily, heavily uh, Republican there. Um, there's one race in the Illinois was a surprise right now. Sherry Bustos, who's the head of the DCCC, looks like she might actually lose her seat, which is, you know, that's always the interesting one. The head of the campaign committee, who in theory has unlimited resources to put towards their own reelection, right now she's uh, down may, by, end uh, up, may end up losing. Right now she's down by 7,000 votes. I didn't realize the Zeldin result the way it was until I just looked it up now. He's at 61.3%. Pretty impressive. Uh, very as, impressive. Essentially, as the House and Senate go, very little difference. And and frankly, if we anticipate the result in the presidency, we're talking about basically a continuation of the majority in the House, the majority in the Senate, the control of the White House. It looks like all that's basically going to be the same. Well, I can't. I mean, I think it would be uh, presumptuous right now to to determine who wins the presidency uh, because there are so many states that are that are razor thin. Um, clearly, the president uh, outperformed uh, the media, uh, <laughs> outperformed the critics, outperformed everybody who who had said there's no possible way this guy will win re-election. 
uh, given all what's going on in the country. And uh, he's proved his political resiliency and his political popularity in many corners where it counts. Uh, but we will see. I, you know, look, I think it's I don't want to be the one to turn around because uh, a lot of people out there, even in Shul this morning, they're like, oh, he won, he won, he won. And, you know, everybody wants that confirmation bias uh, to it. Um, certainly, uh, based on a, a number of factors, uh, I think that this is a good result for the community. It would be a better result for the community uh, if Republicans retain the White House. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, but there are quite a few votes that need to be counted. Right. And from what from what is being reported, um, not analysis, not punditry, but actually hard data, a lot of those votes come from urban areas and suburban areas where uh, we didn't uh, – the Republicans did not do as well. Um, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. So often you have this stuff at your fingertips. If you don't this morning, then then you know I apologize for putting you on the spot. But we, we're always worried, uh, members of the community in New York State, uh, about the Senate and the Assembly. And we know there have been a lot of changes, a lot of drifting in one direction over the last few years. With what you described to us in terms of what happened yesterday in some of the Senate and Assembly races, where do we end up? Is it, are we ending up with a Democratic majority in both, in one? How, how is this going to end up after this election? Oh, I, there's no, the majority is not going to change in either one um, because, uh, because of the uh, numbers. I mean, right now the state Senate is 40 Democrats to 23 Republicans, and the hope was, at least the expectation and what Democrats were saying, was that they were going to get that veto-proof two-thirds majority, and uh, Republicans were going to lose another couple seats, you know, three, four. Uh, it, end up, it ended up, I mean, if things go as they see that they are going to go, again, I don't want to go ahead and, uh, uh, go and say what the, what the actual results are when in New York you actually can't count the paper ballots for a week uh, because uh, they, have a week to come, they have a week to come in in the election. Uh, but uh, certainly that will not happen. The Republicans, very much based on leads, will will gain a number of seats. Uh, in the Assembly, it looks like they will gain a number of seats as well uh, based on that. There are some key Assembly people who, in addition to the one I mentioned in Rockland, um, there are some other Assembly races that the Republicans look like they're going to take. But not a, um, but not a majority. You know, but not a majority. Uh, no, not well. In the Assembly, it's like 108 to 42 right now, or 107 to 43. That's a long way to go to get back to the majority. I didn't, I didn't realize um, how far behind the Republicans were in the Senate. Wasn't it yesterday that the Republicans had the advantage in the Senate? They, there was a tremendous blue wave that happened in 2018. That's where the blue wave happened. Uh, throughout the state, the Republicans uh, lost ground all over and what they, they lose they lost 10 elections how many seats did they lose in 20, 2018 uh they lost uh you know they lost four seats on long island alone wow. so it's uh wow yeah they lost seats wow. in the hudson valley they lost all over the state um it looks like they you know right now it looks like they're going to lose three state three seats the senate are they going to lose three republicans are going to lose three seats upstate right. uh one in buffalo potentially two in the rochester area um so you see that the chain new york is changing um, Long Island went heavily, was you know heavily uh, pro-Trump country, and upstate in some parts of upstate, which we often monolithically uh, think is red, right. uh, there are parts of upstate that were that did not uh, trend as heavily towards uh, the president and towards the Republican Party. Did you spend so it- politics? Is all over the place. Did you spend any time with any winners last night, or you were just in front of your laptop the entire night? 
Uh, I was in front of my laptop uh, the entire night. Um, if I get, you know, give uh, uh, just uh, for a rival uh, network, I, I had uh, the good fortune of being on a panel moderated by David Greenfield uh, for Hamodia.com for election night coverage, which was a Zoom panel, uh, which was a lot of fun. We did that for an hour. Um, also, because of uh, COVID, the, 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 the election night parties are very subdued. So they're not quite as exciting as they once uh, were or right. would have been. Um, but uh, but I did speak to a number of the winners uh, last night, um, and uh, I think it's a really it's been un, it's been a very good night. It's a great night for the state chairman uh, Nick Langworthy, uh, who is uh, who's this is really his first this is his first big election, and it shows that uh, hard work and rolling up the sleeves uh, you can turn the tide. As certainly uh, Republicans in New York were, were massively uh, outspent, massively outspent. All the people, all the outside groups that used to go and and uh, help Republicans all went to the Democrats, all the real estate interests, all the charter school interests. And a lot of those people, um, a lot of those candidates uh, lost anyway. It just shows on the issues, issues like that. If you don't support the police and you support criminals getting out of jail, about two hours after they're arrested, um, it's a re- it's not a good recipe for governing. It's not a good recipe for politics anywhere, not just in New York. You know, we've had him on the air, the head of the New York. Uh, well, due to you, we had him on the air. Frankly, uh, the head of the Republican Party in New York State is he aware that the Orthodox community is very active and that they likely had a big role in the local elections on Long Island this time around? Uh, very much aware. It's been something we have discussed, and we know that it was uh, instrumental in Nicole's victory, instrumental potentially in the state Senate, and instrumental in the victories in Rockland County. No question about it. All right, that's great. Look, uh, the you know, as we I said this earlier when Jake Novak was on, you know, we we know that Illinois and California and New York are never in play anymore, but there are Jewish communities around the country, uh, Florida, Ohio. Uh, even Texas with Houston and Dallas growing the way they are, uh, where the Jewish vote is still, you know, essential. I don't, I don't know if, if the word key is right or, in, you know, it, it, there's a presence and they have to campaign knowing that the uh, the Jewish vote, uh, you know, is a potential important block in those states. So I guess, uh, again, with some of the bigger communities uh, in the country not really uh, in play, so to speak, it's good that at least we have a Jewish presence around the country that's significant. Well, people should not forget that there's not just the presidential election. There are all kinds of elections up and down the ballot, and all of them are very important. Yeah. And, you know, politics is not, as you call it, the great spectator sport, right. but it's really not a spectator sport. You have to participate. You have to, you have to have your voice counted. You have to go ahead and vote at every opportunity and engage, because uh, you will find, if you do engage, that politicians will be responsive. Those who aren't responsive and those who write off our community do so at their own peril. Yeah. Um, because the Orthodox community, number one, is not going anywhere. Uh, we're kind of very deeply rooted in the places in which we live. So it's a, it, it's a definitely a political misstep to go ahead and be so out of step with the Orthodox community. Um, oh, the other one more. Sorry, one more sleeper race uh, in the North Shore. It looks like a open seat for assembly in the Great Neck area uh, because of a very heavy, from, from what I understand, a incredibly heavy Orthodox and Persian vote uh, for Trump uh, may carry the Republican to victory, and that would be the first time a Republican has held that seat in in decades, if not, I mean. Tens of decades. So that was a, a shocker or election night. Oh, so that you see w- another Orthodox community uh, potentially delivering another seat towards the GOP. And that wasn't the dead heat that was expected to go to the Democrat? 
Oh, for sure. That's been a Democrat forever. Uh, that's a seat that the Democrats forever they took for granted uh, entirely. You know, it's funny. You just used the expression took for granted. One thing we've learned, and that's why AOC is where she is, you take things for granted in politics and you are going to wake up the next morning one shocked human being. Uh, that's, uh, look, uh, uh, not just AOC. It happened again this year at Elliott Angle. Right. This guy woke up way too late to turn around and start uh, getting his act together politically. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you think she'll run against Schumer? I do not think she'll run against Schumer personally. I just I think uh, Chuck Schumer is uh, is is extremely formidable. He's a guy who's totally who's not out of touch. But I will say it's got to be deflating for Chuck Schumer to wake up this morning and realize that his lifelong dream of being majority leader uh, is not going to happen. Right, it'll likely not come um, true. Right. It's uh, and I think you know as as they said, I think he not only had measured the drapes, he had ordered the drapes. <laughs> By the way. Uh, if I don't, I don't think anybody else today is going to ask you this question, but I'm going to ask it, and you may think it's nuts. You think she, and again, the she is AOC, you think she could challenge Nancy Pelosi for Speaker of the House? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I, 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 don't, I don't think – I mean, look, I, I, I'm not I'm – not, uh, you know, I'm not in the business of, of, of in, trying to figure out internal uh, party caucus politics. Um, I will say, I will say this. Um, there's going to be a tremendous amount of soul searching in the Democratic Party as to what we're wrong here, even if Biden wins, right. uh, because they were unable to take the Senate. Right. Uh, but despite, as I said, hundreds of millions of dollars flowing towards Democrats, and they were unable to make any gains in the House, despite right. them feeling that very almost giddy about uh, what was going to happen and how this blue wave was going to sweep over the country. Uh, you have to think to yourself as that the and particularly in Florida, I mean, it's very clear that Donald Trump overperformed. Uh, I, I mean, beyond not just significantly, they. Oh, so give, give me the two House seats. I mean, you want to talk about uh, how socialism has hurt or the, or the stench of socialism has hurt the Democrats. Uh, Miami-Dade County, which uh, is normally uh, a, a excellent performing county. For the for the Democrats, it's their margin to win the state of Florida. Underperformed tremendously. They, the polling uh, that I saw, saw showed about Cuban Americans, uh, Republicans were like plus seventeen or something like that. Um, a huge number for Trump. Uh, really beating the drama of the socialism and and a lot of Cubans and the Venezuelans and others and other South Americans. They know about social, socialism. Uh, they don't want it. That's why they came to the U.S. And two. Uh, two House seats that uh, had got that had gone to Democrats, um, one in the kind of southern part of uh, of of Miami-Dade County and the Florida Keys right. that the Democrat lost there, as well as the one that used to be represented by Ileana Ross Lettman. Um, that was also that was uh, by represented by Donna Shalala, Donna Shalala being a former uh, Clinton health secretary, a, a big name in the in the House of Representatives. She was upset right. as well by a, I, I, I think, a Colombian-American. Uh, I don't have her name, but that was a big upset in South Florida. And you just saw Republican, even Miami-Dade County, which is the, one of the bluest counties in Florida, you saw a Republican inroads uh, significantly. And remember, and the conventional wisdom is that Donald Trump is toxic amongst Latinos. Not true. At least we learned that lesson. Um, can you say now that Biden was simply not a great candidate? Is it uh, something you would evaluate as just, you know, a, a really, really good Democratic candidate would have had a much different result yesterday? 
hard to fig- for me to figure out who, and I, I actually thought about that question, not for the show, but just in general, like yeah. who of the 23 Democrats who were running would have done a better job specifically? Um, I mean, I don't think Bernie Sanders would have done a better job. I can't see Elizabeth Warren. Uh, you know, she's having the same problems and the same liabilities. I think, uh, um, you know, so where do, where do you go? Pete Buttigieg? Uh, I don't, you know, who are the, who, Corey, who are the would candidates? Corey, would Cory Booker have done better? Uh, hard for me to see that necessarily. I guess the age factor definitely probably played into the Biden issue. But this right. was such a strange election because of COVID, because of the lack of campaigning. It, I don't think that... It, it's it's hard it's hard to assess about what might have been um, or what could have been what about, and how it, that would have put is it hard out. is it hard to assess what might have been without COVID? Do you think Trump would have waltzed to victory without COVID? I think he would have had a strong case coming off impeachment and with a very solid economy to go. I mean, it's amazing that given all the job losses and given the precariousness of of the economy, that uh, that this is as close as it is. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I think Biden had probably, in many ways, was kind of the most moderate of of uh, that of the candidates that Democrats were going to were going to run. Right. Uh, could it have been a, a, a Bennett or uh, or Hickenlooper or Steve Bullock? Steve Bullock didn't win his Senate race in uh, in Montana, so it's hard to ask yourself about who amongst the Democrats would have been a better. Uh, a better candidate. You know, it, it's like it, it's a little bit like this in both parties. Moderates can't win the primaries, and uh, sometimes uh, some people on the extremes can't win the general election. Right. Seems to be the trend. Um, Michael Fragan, you'll hear him tomorrow starting at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Spin Class here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and I'm assuming tomorrow you'll have even more information to speak about regarding both national and local elections. So everyone should make yeah, sure. Yeah, well, we're hoping so. Hopefully I didn't give the whole thing away this morning. <laughs> i got to give myself some more. Hey, you know, you know, you know, Michael, 24 hours in the world of politics is a long time. You know that. <laughs> uh, at this point, a half hour in the world of politics is a long time. That is correct. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Malcolm. Michael Fragan, a brilliant commentator when it comes to the world of politics. He's with us 930 every Thursday morning on the Malcolm Siegel Network. And today, the perfect morning to speak with him. Obviously, the day after Election Day. Achena Israel and Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you as your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday. Oh, an overtime Wednesday. We went over by eight minutes. Woo! Boy, oh, boy. Lots to talk about. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Tomorrow morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m., Coming up, Avrami's going to have a live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Bite Size is next with Yoni Pollock. Tomorrow we'll have uh, we'll explore more the NCSY Best Shabbos Song vote, the real important vote of this week. <laughs> and uh, and that is that. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Tell tomorrow, Malcolm Segal, reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.